Hi again, everyone. I'm Matt Lachlan. Welcome to another edition of Pirates Talk, a Seton Hall basketball podcast. And a very happy new year to all of our listeners as we've turned the calendar page to 2020. We'll be having J.P. Pelsman joining us in just a few moments. But for Seton Hall, what an end to 2019. And hopefully that springboards them to a terrific 2020. Nobody was sure whether or not Miles Powell would return from the concussion in time for Monday's game at DePaul. But we got word late that he would be playing for Seton Hall. Kevin Willard said he was hoping to get 20 minutes out of him. But then in the end, quote, he wouldn't let me take him out, unquote. And we're all glad that Miles Powell said no. 27 points, 18 in the second half, 7 of 15 from the floor, 11 of 15 from the free throw line. Seton Hall, which trailed by as many as 10 in the first half, rallies and beats DePaul 74-66. They're now 9-4, 1-0 in Big East as uh, the Pirates ended the game with a 9-0 run and pick up a road victory. And more than that, it was the return of Miles Powell. Impressive play by Seton Hall against Maryland in his absence and of course Sandro Mamu Kalashvili also out with the broken wrist but without Powell they're somewhat rudderless but they really amped up the defense against Maryland came away with a nice home victory Uh, and now after the holiday break Powell returns from the concussion and things look bright again for Seton Hall. So a big, big win on Monday against a team that had defeated them twice last year and that had gotten off to a terrific non-conference start. So uh, Dave Lateo has a nice thing going there now into Paul, but Seton Hall with the victory. And now uh, as they move ahead, they'll get ready to face Georgetown on Friday. We are very pleased to welcome this week's guest to the show to talk about Monday's win and to look ahead not only to Friday's game, but take a look around the Big East Conference as we bring in this week's guest on Pirates Talk, a Seton Hall basketball podcast. And it is indeed my pleasure to welcome to the show J.P. Pelsman, who covers Seton Hall for Rivals.com. He also covers the NFL, covers the Jets for Forbes.com. So with the end of the NFL season and conference play in full swing, it is a busy period of time. So, J.P., thanks for a few minutes of your time, as precious as it is. Happy New Year as we record this on New Year's Day. Happy New Year to you too, Matt. Thank you for inviting me and... uh... It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, it was a very exciting win for us, you know, on Monday night, and uh, I can't wait to talk about that. Well, we will talk about that, and of course, we'll look ahead to Georgetown this Friday at Prudential Center, but let's rewind the clock a little bit to Monday. Big East opener for both sides. DePaul gets off to a terrific start in their non-conference schedule. Seton Hall as well, but they suffer the key injuries. Miles Powell suffering the concussion against Rutgers. Previously, Mamu uh, Kalashvili suffers the broken wrist. So you know that they're going to be playing without him. The status of Powell was up in the air. Then it becomes apparent as we get to game time that he is going to play. But not only does he play, he scores 27 points and leads the Hall to a come-from-behind victory. What did you make of his performance and what Seton Hall was able to do on the road? Well, I was very impressed by Miles Powell's play, and uh, I'll start with a story that uh, is tangentially related to uh, to set up what impressed me the most about Powell on Monday night. That's tangentially related to Seton Hall, but I think Mets fans, I'm sure there are many Seton Hall fans and Mets fans out there that will appreciate. Uh, obviously, uh, Sacred Heart is where Quincy McKnight began his career, and when he began his career there, Bobby Valentine, 
was already entrenched as a Sacred Heart Athletic Director, former Mets manager. One time when he was managing the Mets, uh, they were getting routed by the Dodgers, so Bobby B decided, let me get give my regulars a rest. I'll make this very quick, Matt. Give my regulars a rest. Well, in typical Bobby V fashion, he left himself a man short. He took so many plays out, he left his man, himself a man short. So he puts uh, a chunky lefty specialist named Chuck McElroy out there in left field. Tells him, don't exert yourself. I don't want you hurt, right? So, of course, what happens? A guy lifts a pop fly to short left. Chuck McElroy runs like 40 feet to make a running catch. And, of course, Bobby V is apoplectic. And after the game, the, the media asked Chuck McElroy, Why'd you do that? Bobby told you don't, uh, you know, don't get yourself hurt. He didn't hurt himself. But he asked you, why'd you do that? You don't get, your, don't get yourself hurt. He said, hey, I'm a competitor, and I thought I could make a play on the ball, which he did. Well, that's competitors. Miles Powell played like that. He, you couldn't tell he'd had a concussion a couple weeks before. He played with the reckless abandon that Miles Powell always plays with, and that's what you have to play with. You could, and and that's why it's important. You can't no. Nope, no athlete, no competitor, whatever the sport, whatever the situation, whether you're trailing by 20 points, whether it's the first minute of the game, you can't play thinking about an injury. And I'm sure you noticed, Matt, he was playing, he was diving for loose balls. He was sacrificing his body to go for a blocked shot. He was sacrificing his body going to the basket, not worrying if he'd hit the deck and be fouled. And that's the most important thing. Uh, I, I feel like, too many people who haven't seen Miles Powell play on a regular basis, they think, oh, he's just a spot-up three-point shooter. No, he's so much more than that. And I think he showed all facets of his game. And I think a healthy Miles Powell, the sky is again the limit for the Pirates. It changes the narrative around those two injuries coming in one week, one on a Sunday, one on a Saturday, made everyone around the program go, okay, who knows? I mean, so much expected. Uh, there was such uh, an attitude of looking forward to the Big East play and, and what they might do come tournament time, and then, uh-oh, how are they going to respond? Well, they responded quite well. I mean, I, I thought, this is even before that, the Maryland win told me something about Seton Hall. Uh, without those guys, they play tough defense. And I think people who follow the program closely like you and the fans who are listening know Seton Hall plays defense, defense, defense. You can talk about Miles Powell, and he is a player of the year candidate, no question about it, but they do not give up defensively. They are a tough out no matter who's out on the floor, and I thought we saw that on Monday night as well. Exactly, Matt, because that is one thing, like you said, they become known for Miles' shots and everything like that, but that is Kevin Wood's number one priority, and it has been since he took over 10 seasons ago. It's amazing it's been that long, how the time flies. Time but does go, he huh? Preach, he, yep, he preaches defense. I mean, he you do not see the floor. Even Miles Powell, yeah, I mean, and to me the biggest turning point was that play uh, Monday night when he got in the passing lane for a steal, tipped the ball to himself, got a steal, driving layup. Ties the game in 62. But you do not see the floor if you don't play defense. And like you said, that Maryland game was just a testament to the defense, the intensity, the toughness he's instilled in this team. And, yeah, it just showed that there was no woe is me. I do think their heads their heads dipped a little in that Rutgers game. You know, without already without Mamu and then without Powell. You could see in the second half there was a little – I don't want to say they, they never gave up. They never quit. They never stopped playing. But you could see there was a little bit of, oh, boy, this is rough, you know. But that was gone for the Maryland game. And then it, it, they looked like a new team against DePaul. And, uh, again, and I think, I, I, I mean, 
I'm hearing that Mamu, I mean, they feel like he's making good progress. So once he gets back, I mean, they really should be in in obviously decent shape. Yeah, as long as they can continue to perform as they have. Earlier in the season, Kevin Willard said, I'm going to give Miles Kale the Desi Rodriguez treatment. And he kind of called him out at halftime as well in this game on Monday. And Miles responds and has 16 points. Does he Is he one of those players that needs to constantly be pushed? Uh, and sometimes we see players defer to the, uh, they're all A-type personalities, but to the leader, and that would be Miles Powell. But what do you know about Miles Kale? Because they need to find that scoring uh, beyond Miles Powell. I think he is, Matt, because the thing about Miles Kale, this is not a knock on him, boys, like Bobby Gonzalez. You know, Bobby <laughs> Gonzalez would always, in the post games, Matt, he would say, like, I'm not knocking, and then, of course, he would knock somebody. But And, and again, you can't change people's personalities. That's not fair. It's like Don't we get in trouble Miles- in sports trying to do that, right? We, we get yes, in trouble exactly. with that. Miles Kale just happens to be a, a happy, personable young man. He's not a a guy who's going to, you know, uh, just, you know, you know, figuratively, you know, just, you know, punch you in the mouth to win. He doesn't he doesn't operate that way. So you really have to cut. He's just a very nice young man. So you really sometimes. You have to, either whether it's publicly or privately, you really have to come after him if you're Kevin Willard to get the most out of him because he does have these times where he just, you know what, again, I'm not, and I'm not blaming him, Matt, but let's face it, if you go back to the tape, you know how Miles Powell got the concussion? He was taking a charge on a fast-break runout that was caused by a jacked-up three from Miles Kale. I mean, he has been kind of, you know, he had been kind of, a non-entity on offense until the second half Monday. And if he could get it together like he did there, uh, then really, again, it is going to be big for Seton Hall going forward. And I think also, I don't like when coaches, Matt, and, and I'm sure you know this from all your years with the Devils, you can't treat everybody the same. Different players have to be motivated in different ways, and I agree with you. I think Miles Kale needs more of a kick in the rear than some other guys. And that's fair, and, and every coach will tell you they treat everyone equally, but there are subdivisions of that equal treatment. You, you exactly, that's well said. Yeah, we're, we're, we're all different human beings. We don't come at it the same way. What impressed me, and I'll get your take on it in the second half, I'm watching the first half, and quite frankly, I'm very disappointed. They're not shooting well. The offense doesn't look good. DePaul's hot. I'm thinking, oh, here we go, um, on the road, at DePaul, you know, some memories of last year, et cetera. The second half turnaround was terrific. Uh, you mentioned Miles Kale. We talked about him. Uh, Miles Powell goes uh, 18 points in the second half. But to me, the biggest turnaround, and I think it's there on a more regular basis, Romero Gill can look so lost at times, but then in the second half, He's a force down low. He has four block shots for the game. And then he has that one jam in part of the end run for Seton Hall. Um, let's, let's just go back to the, the, to the second half breakout for, for the team. What did you think about the first half? Uh, was it just one of those things? Or maybe I'm expecting too much right from the opening. No, it's, it's funny, Matt. I wasn't going to interrupt you there. But even before you said his name, I, thought that, I honestly thought that's where you were going. Because I know he got almost by his standards, kind of posterized in the first half, Gill. And I was like, wow, that never happens. And then in the second half, there were a couple blocks he had that I thought really, like you said, kind of set the tone and said, no, 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 there's no more easy baskets in here, DePaul. And I thought that really, you know, because obviously that was what 
set the tone in the absence of, of Sandro and Powell against Maryland was, no, 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 Maryland, you're not getting any easy hoops in the lane. So, yeah, I mean, he – and then he had a few easy alley-oops for baskets for Seton Hall in the second half. Yeah, I mean, he really – has turned into something I didn't expect him to be, and that is the X factor on both offense and defense. That, and, he, and let's face it, those things galvanize the team. And also, he's getting more and more depth, I think, Matt, at the block shot that turns into maybe maybe even a runout for Seton Hall. I mean, fans love those, they, you know, they love those blocks where it winds up in the second row. But guess what? That just turns into a second-chance opportunity. What's more important to me and, and more, I think, rewarding to the teams, if he can block it, it winds up in a teammate's hands. No doubt about it. Uh, there's one, those blocks are the highlight blocks, like you said, but there are others that are more important. You know, uh, and I'm going to use a devil's comparison here. Marty Brodeur had this unbelievable ability to make a save, but not just make the save and stop play. He saw the game in a way that he could make a save, say a blocker pad, but put it in a position where the Devils could recover the puck along the wall exactly. and there'd be a breakout. Exactly. So the ability to keep exactly. the play alive with that block is so important. So on Friday, we're going to see a pretty big matchup of big men in the middle as Georgetown comes to Prudential Center. Late start, it's the what 9 o'clock start at uh, Prudential Center, so we'll all be sleepy-eyed on Saturday morning, that's for sure. But uh, Omer Yurtseven comes to town with Georgetown, a big seven-footer, and we'll see Gil and uh, Ike Obiagu uh, matching up against him. Is is that a matchup worth keeping an eye on? Yeah, it, it will be very interesting to see because uh, are they both uh, transferred in from the ACC. You're, obviously, Yurtseven, a grad transfer from North Carolina State. And Obiagu uh, came from uh, Florida. Oh, Ike, Ike Obiagu came from Florida State, so uh, he'll see him at times. Uh, obviously, Gil will see more of him, but uh, that'll be interesting. But of course, the biggest uh, storyline will be what uh, uh, has uh, Mac McClung's eye injury yeah. calmed down enough that he'll be able to play. Because as we saw last night, uh, Georgetown was kind of lost without uh, him in Providence. I mean, that was that was a, a, a runaway from. Uh, basically from the jump. It was 54-23 at one point, and it was ugly even, as you said, right from the jump. I mean, Georgetown, which is so thin anyway because of all the things that happened earlier in the season with players leaving the program for a variety of reasons. And But McClung has been their key and, uh, you know, got poked in the eye, uh, I guess, the weekend before and did not play. Against American, yes. Yes, yes, uh, against American and uh, did not play last night. Without him, they're a far different team. I don't no, know. They have, really no, they no. have very little offense exactly. without McClung. That's just a fact. Uh, at, least, uh, at least from the outside, yes. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, um, Seton Hall, it's set up as a, a very good night for them, potentially, uh, based on McClung's absence or not, and, and then see where they go from there. Any, There's no concern about looking past anyone. Kevin Willard has kind of ironed that out of this team, I think. I think so, too. But it would just be so important, even if it's a, deplete, a depleted Georgetown team, to get off to a fast start because we know that was a problem last year that they kind of got off to a slow start in the Big East. And I think getting off to a fast start in conference would be huge for the, for the Pirates. Uh, in addition to Georgetown losing uh, yesterday uh, to Providence and losing big, uh, St. John's uh, had an incredible game against Butler. Uh, I saw just a little bit of it, to be honest with you, but they fall behind big. They come storming back, no pun intended, and yet they fall uh, at the end. Early thoughts on St. John's as we kind of look at the conference a little bit here. I am so impressed, Matt, by the job Mike Anderson has done. I think 
I think he was a great hire for St. John's. And something I didn't even think of at the time when they hired him is I, I, I know from living on Long Island, I know a lot of uh, uh, St. John's alums. And the biggest complaint among the St. John's fan base was Chris Mullen. I mean, let's face it, the fact that he was a favorite son, the fact that they didn't win at the rate St. John's fans wanted to, that the blue ball that ro- fell off that rose pretty quick. And their biggest complaint was he basically, his rotation was paper thin and there were guys on the bench they felt could help. And he never played them. And the one thing about Mike Anderson, you know, being a Nolan Richardson, Richardson disciple, you know, he wants to play a lot of guys. His system demands you play a lot of guys. Now, granted, they only, it, the game was a low scoring game because they played Butler last night, but he plays his bench and They've been able to to withstand the absence of injury lately of of Mustafa Heron because he uses his bench, he utilizes his bench. They had a huge upset of Arizona in San Francisco, and I just think they have played better, Matt, because this guy gets the most out of what he's got. Now I'm not saying they're going to uh, make a lot of noise in the Big East, but I think they're going to be a tougher out than people think, and you know I think that was a higher that. Uh, was really, uh, you know, it, it's the kind of how let's put it this way. You know, people made a lot of fun of St. John's for how many twisted turns that coaching search had, but if you wind up with the right hire in the end, what does it matter how, how you got there? Not, not at all. Uh, it was a little bit of an out-of-the-box and kind of surprised everyone, but the early payoff has been apparent. Um, wh- what do you see uh, as we wind things down here, just kind of an overall Big East preview, anything that's, happened not so much in conference play because it just started but leading up to conference play kind of surprise story something that's caught your eye as we look ahead to uh, January February and then tournament time I think Creighton's a little better than I thought they'd be I mean uh, I think their offense is as explosive as as it's been uh, at any time in their their Big East uh, tenure I, I, I like the way they're playing on offense I think they're going to be very good I think Butler's a pain in the rear to play, uh, the way they slow the pace, as they always are. Uh, Villanova, I think, is Villanova again. Uh, I think that win over Kansas showed that. And I would say, I think the one surprise I've seen is that, I I don't know, I mean, Providence last night, I mean, they took advantage of of Georgetown being shorthanded. They did have that win over Texas. But I, I don't know, I haven't seen... I don't know if they're defensively as tough as they've been. It'll be interesting to see how they how, how they come together as the season goes on because uh, I know Ed Cooley and, and Kevin are, are very close friends. It'll be interesting to see what Providence looks like this season because their December was not very good. No, it wasn't. Well, the Big East Conference play is underway. Let me ask you, JP, how did you get in, involved in covering sports? Uh, what was the path you, you took? Uh, well, I went to uh, – I always liked it. I always – thought it was a fun you know a fun way to, I always liked writing and like a lot of kids I enjoyed uh, watching sports I felt it was a good way to combine the two I went to uh, I went to Hofstra because I knew Hofstra had been in the NCAA tournament twice and I <laughs> I mean that's the truth I mean so, not, so I don't laugh when people say oh Seton Hall's admissions application spiked when the Pirates went to the final four that's true people People want to see, uh, you know, people want to have that excitement. They want to see uh, a team that could go to the NCAA tournament. Honestly, I, ne- I didn't, I never considered like a Division II basketball school. That's the truth. The only schools, Matt, I applied to was Hofstra and St. John's growing up on Long Island. That's the truth. 
you know, who knows? Maybe if I'd grown up in Jersey, I would have applied to Seton Hall, but it didn't. Uh, crossing the crossing the bridge, crossing the George Washington Bridge at that time, though, in my life seemed like, uh, you know, it seemed like flying overseas. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, uh, but, uh, but yeah. So uh, th- th- that's how I got into it. Uh, I've always enjoyed it, but uh, yeah. And I mean, I covered Seton Hall. I mean, I've covered them since uh, when I when I was at the record. I started in 2002 with Lewis, and that was Lewis Soares. Uh, I guess uh, second year was it his third? Uh, no, it was, his, it was his second year. It was it was second. It was his second of five years, and he was you know for I know a lot of I know some fans didn't like him, but he was a lot of fun to cover. If you uh, if you asked him a basketball question, he'd give you a basketball answer. And that's all you can ask of any coach, right? Just deal with me straight and uh, answer the question. It's funny what and you... I had. Yeah, and I had the same. I'll say this: he he gave me the same privilege uh, Kevin Willard does. I always got the first. I always uh, was awarded the first question. Well, that is an honor, no no doubt about it. I, I was chuckling when you talked about choosing the schools. I I went to Seton Hall. I applied to two schools. I'm a Jersey guy. I applied to Rutgers. I applied to Seton Hall. I went to Seton Hall. There was no thought about crossing the river, as as you just mentioned. There was no thought of going to D.C. or Boston. Like, at that time, yep. really? No, I'm going to stay local. It, it, it's changed dramatically uh, how children, and I have three, and they've all been through the college process there. One's just about out of it. The other two are. But uh, it has changed so much, and it was a simpler time. But, hey, it worked out for both of us, right? So no complaints. Yeah, and also, Matt, we didn't have the Internet to look up all this stuff. We That's really, right. You know, we, didn't, we didn't have that. So it was just kind of, you know, you, just, you thought local back then. No, no question about it. And I will tell you this. Hofstra attracted you because they had gone to the NCAA tournament. Just to show you how there there are many ways that people select schools, this is not about me personally because I, I love Seton Hall from the jump, but I have a son who, when he was taking all the tours, and mostly with my wife because of the schedule I have, it's just impossible sometimes uh, to, to get out when it's convenient for him and the school to make tours, et cetera. Anyway, he takes the Philadelphia tour, right? So he's Temple, and he's looking at LaSalle, and he walks into... Drexel. He walks on the campus with my wife of Drexel and immediately stops and says, I can't go here. And she says, why? He goes, I can't go to a school whose nickname is the Dragons. <laughs> like, okay, who cares about your future, right? <laughs> so, you know, why not? Okay. I, I think you were to say you couldn't go there because they're not in the big five. Yeah, no, no, no. I can't go to a school whose nickname is the Dragons. He wound up going to the University of Maryland. It worked out, met his wife. Life is really good, but yeah, not dragon's not going to work sorry mom so all that work that went in just got turned aside in a quick stop at the uh, student center when he realized it was the drexel dragons hey what are you going to do anyway we diverged a little bit here uh jp but i do want to thank you again for uh, giving us some time uh, again it's new year's day and there's a lot going on uh in your life with the two sports that you cover really do appreciate it uh, we look forward to your coverage throughout the year and we'll see you on uh, friday uh, at the, the georgetown game thank you so much matt Happy New Year again. And Happy New Year to you. Once again, I want to thank J.P. Pelsman of Rivals.com for joining us. Of course, if you're a Pirates fan, you know about his coverage. It's superb, and you can follow him throughout the year as Big East Conference play rolls on. So off, a season-opening win in the conference against DePaul on Monday. The Pirates return home Friday to take on a Georgetown team Thin because of player defections earlier in the year. And what bears watching is the status of Mac McClung, who really is their leader in so many ways. Missed their 
Big East opener against Providence. He got poked in the eye, was in street clothes as the Hoyas Hoyas were destroyed by Providence. Uh, We'll see what happens on Friday. Doesn't matter, though. We play games for a reason. So even if he is not there, and that certainly would be an advantage for Seton Hall, they can't look past them. As good as the Hall is, you've got to play each and every opponent like it's uh, for the national championship. I know that sounds trite, and maybe that's a bit of a stretch of the truth. But the fact of the matter is, you look past someone at your own peril in this conference, top to bottom. It's strong. It's competitive. And so we'll see what happens on Friday night as Seton Hall returns to Prudential Center. Should be a big home crowd. It's a late start, so that might keep a few people people home who knows hopefully they'll uh, pack the joint rocking the rock and Seton Hall can open up Big East play with a 2-0 mark with conference play upon us uh, this podcast will become a weekly podcast Uh, I started out going every other week Uh, my devil's responsibilities certainly uh, necessary and important to me but now that things have really heated up we'll squeeze in Uh, a Seton Hall podcast each and every week. Guests from around the media world. Hopefully we'll get a chance to speak with many of our old friends and talk about not only the conference and Seton Hall, but college basketball in general. So thank you once again for listening, everyone. We will see you next week. Happy New Year. Let's go Pirates. Seton Hall and Georgetown on Friday. Until next time, I'm Matt Lachlan. Thanks for your company. Bye-bye.